everyone. I'm here with Nathan Sandlin. Nathan, welcome to the Ward family. Nathan, where did you grow up? Where did you kind of spend your childhood and teenage years? In the Bay Area, actually. I was born in Redwood City, and at the time we lived in Half Moon Bay. And then we moved to uh, San Jose, South San Jose, and then to Gilroy. And I'd say like most of my you know, elementary school experience was in Gilroy. Then we moved, uh, when I was a freshman in high school, we moved to Oregon, the Eugene area. And then, yeah, from there I went on my mission, went, went to college and so on. As you were growing up, what were you like as a kid? What, what kind of interests did you have or, you know, what, what types of things did you find yourself drawn to as a, as a kid? In Gilroy, we lived out in the country and we had a three acre plot of land and there was a creek in the back. and. So I spent a lot of time at that creek and built two tree houses and had a friend that had a lake and so we'd, we'd go play there too. And you know, being outdoors was uh, a lot of my life. We'd, we also at some point acquired a small garden tractor and didn't really use it for the garden, but it was my uh, my go-kart <laughs> to get around because you know, there's long, long distances between uh, houses in the country. I did some biking also back then. As I mentioned on the other podcast, uh, Legos were a big part of my childhood. Had a lot of Legos uh, and and spent a lot of time doing that. And did you grow up in the church or did that come later in life for you? I grew up in the church. Uh, my dad's a convert and my mom, her family was inactive and she became reactivated in her youth. How would you describe your primary years and then kind of being in the youth programs of the church did you always believe or did you kind of go through some struggles in terms of you know how did you kind of go about that early faith development i would say i never really questioned when i was growing up wasn't so much that i had you know i wasn't the kid in primary with all the answers but i also didn't really have a lot of questions either. You know, growing up, uh, just I guess an interesting tidbit is that I didn't like singing. I think maybe this stems from a particular uh, <laughs> sharing time leader that was always picking on us to sing in front of the group or something. But anyway, I hated singing. I wouldn't sing in primary. I wouldn't sing in family home evening or anything. And uh, it's funny because, you know, later on in life, I discovered that, oh, I actually have kind of a good voice. And <laughs> I, I started singing in the high school choir and stuff. But yeah, I would say that my childhood was pretty normal in terms of, you know, like a, a like sort of cookie cutter, go to church Mormon kind of thing. Uh, my parents were always active, my family was always active, and a lot of my friends were members of the church. When you think about those years, are there, other than the sharing time leader <laughs> that maybe gave you a temporary aversion to singing, are there certain either leaders that stand out in your memory, or are there certain spiritual experiences that you remember from that time? I would say in high school I had more of such leaders. I remember one young men's advisor who had us over to his house for a water skiing party and I remember him just, he, he said something to me about like, he, he asked like what is the secret to parenting because he had very small children. He, he asked what is the secret that, that your parents had because all you kids are really good kids, and I want to I want to make my kids uh, you know turn out like to, like you guys. 
And, you know, I don't know how much he actually believed that, but at least at the time I was like, whoa, I never really thought I was that great or anything. And he was really awesome too. I, I really admired him at the time. And so that played a nice, you know, role in sort of uh, helping bolster my self-esteem. I also had a really good scout leader in scouts, especially as I became sort of a, an older youth. I found that uh, a lot of this, you know, all of all, we were in a small ward, and all of the scouts were just one group, pretty small group. But there were some kids, some, like the younger kids, would uh, act off and misbehave a lot, and um, I sort of found myself a little bit in being a mentor to them and trying to help them to, you know, they they looked up to me as an older kid, and so I I could use that to help them to settle down and I guess that, that was that was also somewhat formative for me. And do you have any siblings? I do. I have four siblings, two brothers, two sisters. My parents were both married prior to uh, marrying each other uh, and so uh, I have a half-brother from my dad's side, a half-brother and sister from my mom's side, and then a younger sister. And uh, but we we never really looked at each other as halves at all, or at least I didn't. Maybe because I was born into that family. You mentioned going to college and then a, a mission. So where where did you go to school and what did you what were you studying there? I went to the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, which is a mouthful, but UIUC, and studied computer engineering there. As I mentioned on the other podcast, I'd been programming for a long time since I was 10 years old, and I knew that's what I wanted to do, but when it came time to go to college, I realized I didn't really know that much about the electrical engineering side of it, and so I wanted to get something in the middle so that I'd sort of be able to see the, the computer end-to-end and understand it. I didn't want to just program something that I didn't really understand what was going on underneath the covers. but. I found that uh, electrical engineering wasn't really my thing as I did that, and so I still ended up migrating more towards the computer science elective. When you went off to school, was that a hard transition for you to be away from home and you know kind of be a little bit more independent, or was that something that you were like really looking forward to? How did how did that aspect of it go? I would say I was pretty independent already as a youth. I spent a lot of time with friends and. You know, so going to college wasn't all that difficult for me. What I found was somewhat difficult was that UIUC didn't really have a lot of members of the church, especially undergrad. Uh, and there were a handful of us, like four or five undergrad students at the whole university, a huge university. There were several uh, young married couples that were kind enough to pick me up and drive me to church and drive me home, sometimes bring me over for dinner and things like that. So that was very nice. But the friends aspect was was tough to do. And I ended up making a lot of friends outside of the church, which which was fine, except that you know, I think that first year of college before I went on my mission, I got invited to frat parties and things like this. And I, I went to a couple of them and felt very out of place. That year though was probably one of the best in terms of helping to grow my testimony because I was presented with a very stark contrast of, hey, you could either go to the frat parties and you know maybe try a little beer every so often or whatever, or you could, um, you could just say no to that and hang out with your married couple friends, <laughs> the few that you have, and you know just 
deal with it. And I, I never really, you know, although I was uh, active in seminary and my mom was a seminary teacher, I never really read the scriptures on a regular basis other than with my family. But personally, I never read the scriptures on a regular basis until that year in college. And, and that year, I realized that that was kind of an anchor that I needed in my life. I started reading the scriptures every day. That was very helpful, of course, uh, in keeping me on the straight and narrow during that interesting year in college and, and then you know preparing me for my mission. When I got home from my mission, there was actually a singles branch uh, that they had organized. So many people just had coincidentally come to UIUC or, or had been in the surrounding area that they were able to form a singles branch. And that was a lot more fun, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, that first year was tough. In terms of going on a mission at that point in your life, was that always kind of the plan? Did you kind of know earlier in life, like, for sure I want to do a mission and it's just on the roadmap, so to speak? Or was that, or was there something that as you were contemplating this, it kind of tipped the scales in, in terms of then going on a mission? Yeah, my parents were always just kind of, yeah, when you guys go on your mission, you know, kind of attitude. and. I never really strayed from that. I never really felt like, well, maybe I don't want to go on a mission. It was always just, I guess, part of the expectation, but also just, you know, I never really questioned whether I wanted to or not. My older brothers went on missions, and it was just, you know, the thing we did. Kind <laughs> of, so. And where did you end up serving? In former East Germany. So at the time, there were six German missions, four over on the west side, two on the east side. Berlin mission up top and then down south was the Dresden mission which is where I ended up going which was basically geographically just the the whole southern half of former East Germany including De uh, Dresden, Leipzig, uh, Chemnitz and, and so on. And what was that like? That was really interesting. This was just a few years after the wall had fallen and uh, but not so soon that American missionaries knocking at your door was novelty. <laughs> and so by the time I got there, the people, not just missionaries, but there had been a lot of salespeople coming through and so on. We didn't have a very warm reception, I would say, from, from most people. And there were a lot of inactive members of the church because the, the, you know, the few years after they had started letting in missionaries, they, they let in missionaries before the wall fell for a few years. And so then, of course, it was a huge novelty. People were like, had never met an American before and everyone would let them in, they'd get baptized, and then they'd never come to church again. So we had huge, huge inactive membership in the wards. The people in the area were mostly atheists. Um, I'd say something, I believe the statistic was 90% of people in East Germany didn't believe in any kind of supreme being. So it was always kind of a challenge because at the time the lessons that we were supposed to say verbatim, the very first words of the very first lesson were, like most people we believe in God, <laughs> and we would say that. and uh, and. and you know, people would be like, ah, yeah, no, I don't believe in God. <laughs> You've already lost me. <laughs> yeah, we spent a lot of time knocking on doors. A lot of time. They have these huge, um, they call them Neubau, which is uh, these huge prefab apartment complexes. And we just go up to the top of a stairwell and knock our way all the way down to the bottom. Usually no one would let us in. We go to the next one. But there were plenty of stairwells. Um, and so we spent a lot of time doing that. We did some street contacting. In our mission, the metric was 
about one per, one convert per missionary per year. And I think I trended a little below that. <laughs> there were people that I taught who got baptized, but, but I never got in the water and baptized anyone. I actually went back to one of my favorite cities, um, Hala, uh, a couple of years ago with my wife and was just shocked and elated to find that one of the families that had been baptized while we were there, they were actually, my companionship hadn't been teaching them, it was the other companionship in, in our town had been teaching them, but you know, I would do splits and so I knew them very well as well. They were still active in, in the church and had turned their lives around. They, they were the least likely people to stay active in the church, in my opinion. Uh, uh, the, the mother and the father both smoked, chain smoke. Actually, I guess it was the father was the chain smoker. The daughter was a carny, you know, one of the people that works at a carnival uh, and roams around. She had an illegitimate daughter. <laughs> you know, it's just all of all of the things that you would think, oh yeah, that's that's not going to work out. But they were, you know, they were interested in the church, and we taught them, and they got baptized, and they're still there and so I you know I big takeaway there is that you never know who the Lord is going to prepare and and the, they looked physically they looked completely different from uh, when we had taught them not just older I mean um, the smoking was gone they were healthy they weren't you know the the, the mother had been like a skeleton when we had taught her she no no longer amazing to me and so you got back from your mission. It sounded like it sounds like you returned to a bigger group of saints uh, upon your return than when you left. And so, at what point did you meet Jennifer? Was that as part of the undergrad years, or was that later? Right, right. So I got back from my mission. Uh, I was pretty ready to get married, um, and so I found a girl in the in the student branch who uh, spoke German. Uh, and so, you know, for me, of course, coming back from Germany, this was a huge prerequisite. Uh, and so I, I dated her a little bit, but she wasn't interested in me. Uh, but she had a apartment full of other girls, that, that, that the roommates. And, and so I spent a lot of time over there. And there was this one girl in this apartment who would never, like, horse around with the rest of us when we were there. She would just sit there in the rocking chair reading her scriptures. And that's the one I ended up marrying. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, Jennifer, over time, she moved to another apartment and, uh, and I kind of followed her to that other apartment, would spend a lot of time over there and, and she and I would go to the temple together and she clearly had a very strong testimony as she does now and, um, and I found, found that attractive. But just spending a lot of time together, we ended up uh, getting to know each other a lot. She's very brilliant, you know, very smart and talented musically talented just the rest is history we ended up getting married maybe a year or so after we met and then did you do grad school i can't remember i didn't do grad school no i did some grad coursework but i haven't i haven't gotten a degree and so after you both graduated did you stay there in the illinois area or did you move other places yeah i had a i, I was already working at motorola at the time so i worked there for a little bit longer uh then we moved to utah and got a job with uh, Excited Home in Utah, if anyone remembers that, it's long gone now. Then uh, moved to, and also worked for Novell a little bit while I was there, moved to Boston thinking I would get a graduate degree at some point. 
And so I took a job in Boston with uh, a financial company called Wellington Management. Then I, I actually applied for business school, actually, a couple business schools out in the Boston area. I got a full-ride scholarship at a well-known entrepreneurial uh, business school there called Babson. But then realized, well, I had a couple of kids at, at that point, and my wife was a stay-at-home mom, and so a full-ride scholarship still didn't pay for all the other things, the food and the, and the roof over our heads and all of that, and didn't really want to go into debt for it. So decided to turn that down and, and instead looked at the opportunity to move to working at Google. And in my head at, at the time, at least, and I still feel this way, uh, that you know, working at Google was probably equivalent on my resume to you know, a master's degree, say. And uh, and so and it wasn't gonna you know cause us to go into severe debt and so that's what we ended up doing. I've been working at Google now for uh, almost 14 years here in the Bay Area, and I don't know that it's gonna matter on my resume because I'll probably end up retiring from Google. But and what was it like becoming a parent? Uh, and, you know, kind of having kids, becoming a parent, and um, through that, you know, how were there certain challenges that came with that and you know how did you and Jennifer kind of navigate some of those challenges? Well we had our first child Elise while I was still in school uh, in, in my undergrad school. I, I felt extremely nervous at, at the University of Illinois going to classes like it felt like there, there, there were big signs over my head saying, oh, this guy isn't normal. <laughs> He's got both, not just a wife, but a child already um, without even graduating yet. I know this happens all the time at BYU, so probably a lot of people listening to this won't relate, but at University of Illinois, that is super unusual. I got used to that, of course, and it wasn't a big deal, but, but uh, at first it was very strange for me. It, we didn't have any problem having kids. And we, we tried to have them pretty close together. Our first two were about a year and a half apart. We wanted to make sure that they were close enough in age that they could be good friends with each other. And, uh, and so, yeah, over time, we, got, we spaced them out a little bit more and a little bit more to the point where Ben was about three years after Carolyn. Uh, Ben's our youngest, just because, you know, we got tired. <laughs> yeah, we love our kids. They are... They're wonderful kids. I couldn't have asked for better kids. And yeah. as you've gone through these adult years, you know, how would you, when you think back to your faith or your testimony at the point at which you were ending a mission, getting to know Jennifer, for example, and now you think about it now, um, how's your faith changed, evolved? How's your relationship, you know, with, with God, you know, kind of evolved since then? I'd say my faith is more complicated now than it was back then. Like I was saying, you know, I kind of took things for granted growing up and didn't really question anything. Uh, as an adult, I have more questions. It became more of a struggle as an adult where I'm asking these questions and sometimes can't find the answers to some of my questions. And I've found that in some areas, I have to just go on faith that, you know, I'll find the answer to that question sometime, but just not today. I think another thing that changed uh, that uh, I think Jennifer taught me a lot, you know, my family, we didn't really, you know, we would pray. We, we had 
morning prayer and we'd have scriptures and all of the sort of the rote things that you do as a as a family but what we never did is go to the lord in searching prayer like trying to find an answer to a problem we never had um never really had blessings for the sick or um or blessings going to school for the new school year or anything like that right like that that wasn't really just the way my family did things jennifer brought that dynamic into our household where where we do all of those things and you know when we have a major question that we're trying to resolve jennifer will jennifer and i'll get down on our knees and and you know spend some time you know, not just saying thank you and please, but actually just, you know, laying out, hey, here's our problem and here's here are the pros and the cons. We've thought this through, but we just can't figure it out. Can you help us out a little bit? And so that's that's definitely something that has changed about uh, my faith and the way I practice religion. You've served in various callings within the church. I mean, within our ward, um, I know you've been uh, in Sunday school and then elders quorum and now you're in our bishopric Um, so just as you've kind of served in these different capacities are there certain um, takeaways that you've had from that or certain ways in which you feel like you've grown from those opportunities to serve I guess one thing that I've noticed is that it doesn't matter what calling you have there is plenty of opportunity to to magnify and serve in those callings. I would say that, you know, as Sunday school president a number of years ago, I might have put more time and effort into that calling than I do as a bishop or counselor, which is kind of, you know, maybe counterintuitive if you've never been a bishop or counselor. And the same thing with Elders Quorum. Spent a lot of time. We would do weekly meetings in Elders Quorum. We do weekly meetings in Bishopric. So I think that it doesn't really matter what calling you have. Like President Uchtdorf says, lifting where you stand, right? And I think that there's, it's not just like, okay, you know, like his analogy of lifting the piano where you stand, right? Some people might look at that as, well, you know, but all I'm lifting is this one little key off the piano or something like that, right? Well, if you've ever had a chance to move a piano, actually, like, it's about as heavy for everyone. Uh, carrying that piano no matter where you're holding on to the piano and I think that 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 that's been surprising to me actually I would have thought that being in a bishopric was gonna be a huge time suck and a huge uh, amount of uh, work and maybe part of this is that I'm not doing a good enough job and please if if you think so please let me know how I can do better but I think also that um, you know the, the way the church is organized is such that um, we do actually, you know, distribute the the load pretty evenly, um, and so that you know the primary. Well, actually, I would say probably primary president, relief society president must have more load <laughs> than most. But uh, you know, there are plenty of places to serve and to magnify in in everything. I will say, I think you're doing a great job. So, uh, Nathan, I think that's a great place for us to end today. Thank you for being 
such a great member of our ward family and just the, the ways in which uh, you're currently serving, but I know that um, just other ways in which you touch people's lives. And so uh, for anyone in the ward who hasn't had a chance to uh, get to know Nathan, um, for whatever reason, um, please come say hi to him uh, and uh, you know get to know him in, in the coming days and weeks.